to a new episode of Echo Chamber. So, let's get into the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 15th to the 17th of November. At number 10, Terminator Dark Fate. At number 9, still doing its thing, a Sean the Sheep movie, Farmageddon. At number 8, it's Midway, another film that's been in the top 10 for a long ass time. At number 7, Ab- Abominable, 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 It's, yeah, you know, you know, I don't need to say it one more time, you know. At number 6, we got The Good Liar. At number 5, The Adams Family. At number four, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, another hanger. At number three, we got the Joker. At number two, Le Mans 66, otherwise known as Ford v Ferrari. And at number one, it's Last Christmas. So this week, um, no films. Well, no feature films, but it was the the launch of the UK Film Festival London on Tuesday. So um, yeah, it's been going on every night since, and um, we're gonna we're gonna drill down into everything that has shown there so far. So um, yeah, let's get into that. After, I think we might have a couple of things, alright? Yo, people, fun things happen on Tuesdays as well, just so you know. Just back from the um, launch night of the UK Film Festival. Uh, This was, hey, it was a lot of fun, man. It was a lot of fun. So, um... Yeah, tonight's uh, event was at um, the BFI in Stephen Street Had a little um, reception first So got to talk to a, a few industry people Which was really interesting And then it went into um, went into the event So, look, if you don't know This is the deal with the festival The UK Film Festival aims to champion great films But in particular is seeking work from those filmmakers Who might not have yet had the chance for a prestigious public screening of their work Screening in the heart of London 
We celebrate the cultural diversity of films made in the UK and welcome films from all over the world. Within five years, the UK Film Festival has established a tradition of promoting films that later have gone on to be Oscar nominees and winners. They have also connected new filmmakers to industry, including television exposure by British broadcaster Channel 4. So, you know, this is a good platform. And I think that is demonstrated by the four films that air today. And, um, you know, two were British. Uh, I think one was a France-Tunisian collaboration. And another was an Albanian film. So, now, yeah, so... It started off with a film called The Van Um, I couldn't So the thing with this So, alright, so The Van And then Nefta Football Club Were both subtitled films So In theory I don't really watch subtitled films Because I can't See the subtitles You know So it's hard to understand what's going on a lot of the time But I think one of the beauties about short films Is they usually really get to the point quickly You know, because you don't have a lot of time So there's not a lot of faff You know, a great short film is very concise And I think... You can understand it visually You know, you can follow the film visually And that was the thing about The Fan So, The Van is by um, Enric Bequiri And the gist is The Van finally stops The doors open And the sun steps out alive A few more fights and he will be able to pay his way out of Albania So yeah, it was a um, a film about, you know, people in Albania Essentially just one um, small family And the son is doing these fight clubs Moving fight clubs to... As it said, to be able to save up the money To be able to, um, you know, leave the country Go somewhere with more opportunity Because when he's not fighting He's just um, working on a building site And he wants more And so, um, yeah, it's showing this It's the stages of, you know Because it starts off with him Getting out the van That's how the film starts And you're like Okay What's what's happening Like at first You you wonder if He's being transported Back From a fight Right so that's the initial 
thing but you as the film goes on you you learn what the actual mechanism of these fights are and it's just this brutal you know and it's just brutal thing that he has he you know he feels he has to do for a better life and um yeah i think the gist do you know what I mean that the real kind of emotional connection is is delivered to you visually? You know, you don't need, you really don't need the um, the subtitles to kind of really kind of understand what's happening and the you know the horror of it, the the hardship, the the trauma. Like the only thing that I didn't get was the 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 depiction of the damage, and then there was a relationship that I I wasn't sure of what it was, but even you know what I mean. The, so there was three things that I was thinking, you know, is it is it father son brothers or lovers, but either way. You know what I mean? Like, whichever of those situations, it does not make a great ending. And when I say it doesn't make a great ending, I mean for them in the story. Like, the way it ends is is, is really good. Because it, you know I mean? it leaves you with so many questions. And you're like, oh, man... And yeah, any of those situations, oh, you you just think it's just harrowing, and um, yeah. So that was a real kind of way to kick down the door with the four four. You know what I mean? That uh, yeah, that was a really interesting film to start off with. We then had Learning to Swim. So this is by uh, Ruth Grimberg. And um, the the blurb is this, but behind the high suburban hedges of a quiet English town, Ingrid resists fearful warnings to offer shelter to Ahmed, a Syrian refugee. Now, um, so this was an English language show, and it was so interesting because I think because. You know, firstly, you know, the first film was about kind of, you know, impoverished people looking for a better life. And this is the same. But they are coming at the subject from just vastly different angles. And so it's so interesting. And this one, I have never even heard about. So essentially, what this is, is it's fostering for refugees. It's fostering for adults, and um, Kerry, that's that's a a crazy concept. I mean, it's not a well. When I say it's a crazy concept, it's it's something that I have literally never heard of. You know. So you hear about people coming to the country and, you know, be, being found housing, you know, being, 
having these kind of, you know, like tent villages, you know, these kind of situations created for them. But I've never heard like this concept, this idea. And so we have Ingrid just talking, explaining like, you know, what she's doing and why she's doing it. You know, because, yeah, a lot of people are telling her, yo, it's crazy, don't do it. Don't let these people into your house. But she's just like, look, they're, they're having a bad time. It's a bad situation coming from a war-torn country. And, you know, they just want hope. They just want a foundation, a springboard, you know. And, and why shouldn't they? You know, why shouldn't they? And there's all this fear and hatred. And she just wants to show, look, not everyone has this narrow view. Not everyone has this hatred, has this fear, this loathing. And so she, yeah, she's opened her house for um, Ahmed. And so we, we're seeing, like, Ahmed, you know, learning to swim, you know, she's got a, Ingrid's got a son, and he's, like, helping Ahmed learn how to swim, which is a poignant thing, because Ahmed talks about his journey to the UK, so when you hear that, that adds a, a, a new kind of element to that kind of process, so we have that, and it's just, you know, she's talking with him, like, Okay, I I need to um really teach you how to how to cook, so when you're on your own, you know how to to cook a you know a decent meal, you know some decent food, not just oven chips and etc. You know, so we have that, and yeah, we just see, you know, Archimedes' development, Archimedes' curve. Now he's in the UK and how life is improving. And it's it's an it was a nice, you know, film to see because it's giving you this different view. Because when there's usually the conversation around refugees, it's very negative. You know, so this was a different slant on things. And so it was really nice to see that. And just to understand that there's this thing happening, this this fostering concept, which was um yeah really interesting. Um, so yeah, there was that. Then, uh, we had Nefta Football Club by Eves Platt, and um, <clears throat> so this was. Uh, the second subtitled film And the gist was Two Tunisian football fans Find a donkey in the desert On the Algerian border Strangely the, do- the donkey is wearing headphones And carrying bags of white powder So um, yeah Again like with this It's um, <clears throat> You know not being able to see the subtitles But The film, essentially, you can kind of follow the broad strokes of it. 
know, a lot of people were laughing. Like, yeah, people really found this film funny. So I didn't get the jokes. But the story was just... Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like, they find this donkey. And um, these, these packets of white powder. And so they're just like, eh, okay, there's no one around. And so you see them with the white powder. And one, the, so the two kids, like, one's an older brother. And um, when I say older, he's probably, I don't know. 12 at the oldest maybe 10 and then the younger brother who yeah like six probably something like that and so they find this and and so we're seeing their interpretation of this situation the older brother obviously a little bit more clued so he's just like oh okay and then the younger brother is like, ah, uh, oh, cool. But so the film opens with them, you know, the younger brother playing football. And um, so, yeah, so we, we see this. And so they, they're coming back now. Uh, so they put the, you know, the white bags into their bike and they ride back into, uh, into town and then what transpires from that that is just like the way it ends catches you because i think you might possibly think it's 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 one you mean the film is going in one direction and then you just get this panning out and you're like, oh man, that's what happened. Oh god damn it, that is. Oh yeah, it, it's you need to see it. It is just great. It's really good. And yeah, as I said, look, everyone was in hysterics watching this film and so the the night ended with the beach house uh which is by richard naylor and um yeah so the gist of this is james and mike's plan to double propose changes when they discover their girlfriends have a proposal of their own and um so they've um they're on, so we meet them, um, James and Mike, on a balcony. They're on a balcony, and um, yeah, so they're just like, yo, oh, can you believe this is going to happen? You know what I mean? Do you feel nervous? Yeah, I feel nervous. Oh, so how are we going to do it? Boom, boom, boom. You know, so they're going over the plans. Then you hit to the girls, and then the girls are talking about their plans. And um, Mike catches a bit of the girls' conversations. And so that goes that way. And then a bit later, one of the girls, I think it's Claire, catches a bit of the guys' conversations. So you have this cross-wires situation going on. 
And it's hilarious. It is so funny. Now, I think, look, it, you could easily say so some of the jokes are on the nose. You know what I mean? But I think when you're working with this amount of time, you, you can't be too, like, oh, yeah. Let's have this crazy set and boom, boom, boom. You know what I mean? You have to be like boom, 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 boom. And um, so yeah, I I think it it's really good for for this really short film. You know, it just it makes you it makes you laugh. You're just smiling. You're just smiling all the way through, and especially. Um, the Mike character So James is like the tall Kind of um, You know Square type guy You know giving stories On um, you know How the railway was created uh, You know Stuff that everyone just like He thinks it's a great story And his girlfriend Is just like Oh my god <laughs> but he's just oblivious You know what I mean Just oblivious If you think um, He's kind of like The um, Steve Merchant character In the UK office Or the um, Rain Wilson character In the American office So that that's how Yeah you, you'd kind of think He is and so Mike, Mike is the little cheerful friend, you know what I mean, just like happy and um, try, like misread, you will misread any situation. So the way, yeah, the way the film just builds and flows and it, just these kind of cross wires and everything like that, it's so funny And then especially at the end with, with how that ends It's just like Did they see Yeah Yeah they did Ah Yeah people These are all Really funny films And as I said look I highly recommend Checking them out But If you You know because obviously You've missed Today, but it is showing um, the rest of the week. So um, yeah, like there was screenings on Wednesday, which now you have um, also missed. <laughs> uh, and there are also screenings on Thursday, um, but there are films showing on Friday, people. Uh, so, um, and, and Friday it's at the Soho Hotel Starts at 7 So um, you have, ooh, how many films? So we've got The Peculiar Abilities of Mr. Muller uh, 73 Cows Pe- Petition Avenue The Christmas Gift Tattoo Open Wide and the distance between us and the sky So we have those on Friday And then at Saturday Also at the Soho Hotel 
we have uh, To Paris, um, which is actually a feature film. It's a Russian feature film, and it's got a Q&A with the director, Sergei Serkiskov, afterwards. So, um, yes, I would highly recommend checking these out. Because, yeah, I, I, I think it's... um. Yeah, it's just great. It's great. So the the link will be in um you know in the details of this episode uh with the social media and all of that. Uh so yeah, it's the UK Film Festival. And um yeah, people check it out. Okay? Cool. Okay, so a second night of um, short films from the UK Film Festival. Uh, this time it was at the Close Up Cinema in Shoreditch, and there were um, quite a few films on display. Uh, none of these films are in the official competition. Um, so th- yeah, there was a big mix. There was a big mix of films Um, There was a couple of music videos in there And um, some of the creatives from those films were in attendance So for, I think, four of them, there was a QA. and a So what I will do is um, play the Q&A after I give my thoughts on the piece Because there is a, um, is you know, I think there's a big difference in opinion From myself and uh, some, um, like Murray Who, uh, you know, creates the festival So, you know, it, it will be good that you get, you know, two different viewpoints on all of this, you know, so I think that's important. Uh, the first film um, of the night was Dream of the F Key. Uh, this was from uh, Gray Chen Imams Zhang. Um, <clears throat> And the uh, the blurb is an F key believes it is more than part of a keyboard. So yeah, this was a an animation. Um, kind of, I don't know if it's clay or if it's just straight up CGI. But um, yeah. So you we we have this key, and it wants to um. It wants to be something else. It's seeing a uh, a ladybug, and it has this aspiration to fly. So we this is what we're seeing over the course of a few minutes of the key trying to um, fulfill its dream, its desire, which you know it was it um pretty. Yeah, there's no, uh, there's no dialogue, but it's easy to follow. You understand exactly what's happening, 
and it's nice, it's cute, it's kind of fun, you know, it, it does its thing, so yeah, um, yeah, I mean, there's not really a lot to say about it, I, yeah, it's well put together, you know, it, it looks nice and everything like that, but yeah, that, that, that's about it with that one, um, <clears throat> so next up was Ark North, um, Times Pole Bearers Together Now uh, This is from Kevin Hendricks And uh, the blurb is An alternative universe Romeo and Juliet story Set in the slums of Manila um, North Cemetery So <clears throat> This was interesting. Like it's very stylish. You know, it is a very stylish and kind of well put together piece. The thing with it though is um it it really essentially it seems like it's more a music video than anything else. And like, the song that's playing is great. <laughs> the song is really good that's playing. And the imagery and everything like that is really good. It's very slick. The story itself does seem like it's got a lot of holes in it. Because, you know, it, it does make sense to an extent... There's things that happen that don't, you know, like a guy gets shot in the head and then he's alive again, which is a bit like, wait, huh? And then, yeah, just some of the things that happen are a bit like, wait, that makes no sense. Why would that, hmm, so, yeah. If, if you're breaking it down as a story, the story itself has a lot of holes, but the piece as a whole is good, you know, as I said, look, good music, good, really good cinematography, right, great production, very slick, you know, really slick and everything like that, but um, the story is the bit that kind of brings it down slightly, but yeah, it's, it, it's, you know, not, not a bad, um, not a bad effort, you know, so then we have Agoria, Call of the Wild, uh, and this is by, uh, Luik Andrew, and, um, the blurb is Jane, an enigmatic cop is forced to face her secret power to dive into death. Not dead yet, but no longer alive. Which, um, <clears throat> I think that is very, uh, intriguing. You, you wonder, what does, what is that? What does that mean? Um, and, like, the story is very... It's very interesting because it is confusing. It's a little, 
confusing, but confusing in a way that leaves you wanting more. You know what I mean? Because we're we're kind of thrown into this situation, and we see Jane, like bent over by a victim, and you're just like, okay, what's happening here? And then she gets back into the squad car, and it's like um, <clears throat> her partner is you know he says some stuff, and then the story like. It's still moving, and you're just like, oh, oh, okay. So it's not that much of a big deal. Then they go to this next place, and it all falls apart for them. And you're watching going, oh, what the fuck has just happened? And then this other thing happens, and you're just like, and from the information that you've learned earlier, you wonder, oh... Is it that? Is it a trip? But then you realise, oh no, it's not. So what happened here? Yeah, what happened? What what does this power do? Like, what's the situation here? And yeah, you're like, I want to know more. I really want to know more. Um... Again, it's got a really good, um, it's got a really good soundtrack, it's extremely well put together, just some, you know, interesting shots used, great cinematography, like, the acting is very convincing, yeah, it's, it's good. Like, the only thing that seems a bit questionable is the whole, um, the, 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 the uh, um, uh, oh, what do you call it, C, the, 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 the electric shock CPR thing, um, that, that bit you, you think, like, what's that needed? Like, the way in which it was done, uh, but, yeah, everything else, yeah, this is great, and I would love to, um, yeah, have more of this story, you know, definitely, uh, so next up was, um, was Nice Shoes by Jonathan Lawrence, uh, so it says, a sci-fi extravaganza, can you spot the 40 sci-fi film references, and this, this is a music video, you know, this is a music video, um, and, yeah, I think the big, I think the big thing about this is they want you to think, oh, look, we've got all these references in there, how great, but apart from that, there's not a lot to it, you know, there's, there's not a lot to it, um, like, you just have people dressed up as these things, like, some are better than others, you know, like, we've got references to, like, Fifth Element, uh, there's a few Doctor Who's, Men in Black, Aliens, the reboot of Battlestar Galactica, 
you know, Star Wars. So we had these and a lot more other references, but it's a bit like that's not enough to kind of hold my interest, you know? And yeah, it's it's a music video. Like, yeah, it's a music video. Yeah, which is like it's fine, but I kind of feel that if I want to watch, like, it would be better to watch the music videos in their own stream. You know what I mean? So if they had a separate night, or the first half is the music videos, the second half is films, and it. it because, yeah, you, you're just, like, after watching Agora, which was just, like, whoa. I'm then watching a music video, you know. But it's fine. It's fine. You know, no harm. Okay, so. <clears throat> um, yeah, so now uh, we will move on. Okay, so yes, next up is Hostage. This is also a music video. Um, it's from Nesta Villas Villas Mill, um, and the blurb is: "It's based on a true story of a country that has fallen victim to a cruel, inhumane dictatorship." The T-shirt soldiers face a powerful criminal state with nothing but courage. Um, so yeah, this was this is interesting. It had some like yeah, it's all about the imagery here. So the the music is good, but like I think mean, it's the Imagery that's accompanying, accompany, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's the accompanying imagery to the music that um, is very compelling. Like we're getting these these kind of concepts of um, like communism being a puppet mentality. You know what I mean? And and that's kind of like ah, or um, you know, it it's instilling, um, like a universal thing in everybody's mainframe. So we have that imagery with like people on a conveyor belt, um, the tops of their heads are opened, and this chip is put in. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff like that, um. There did seem to be a lot of intricacy to it as well, which, you know, was difficult to see. But, um, yeah, it's not bad. Definitely not bad. But uh, we did have um, Nesta um, in attendance and he had, um, you know, he had a few words to say. Afterwards, so uh, let's get to that. Did this film come about, and how did you come to write the song? Why don't we sit over here because I know what's going to happen. We're going to have about a row of ten. Um, so, how did you come to write the song? Who approached you? Did you? What, what was the whole thrust behind the whole thing? 
Well, I mean, uh, uh, I was working towards releasing an album, and I did it. I uh, released it uh, in December of last year. And you know, I'm um, I'm from Venezuela. I was born in Caracas. There is a political situation that's been going on there for, for years now. And we've been having a all sort of stuff, you know, with people uh, migrating from the country. About five million people have left the country because of the situation that um, all this uh, regime has created. So Hostage came about, it's like a retrospective view from a person that is trapped within that system and he, he, he cannot help, you know, to, to find a way to get out. And that's how I write the song, you know, it says, um, I know the world ain't fair and that's fine, but you have dislocated my mind, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, the main uh, theme of the chorus. So um, I wanted to do a video and I also wanted to do a tribute to these kids that, uh, you know, were in the situation where they, um, confronted, you know, the the regime through pro- protests, you know, and they were faced with the National Guard and many of them were killed, simple murder like that, you know, and um, so I approached um, Nestor Regis Mill, okay. the guy who do the animation, and he, he actually has participated in many of these protests and he has pictures and documents and videos and um, he put the, the storyline together, you know, with, um, with, with actual photos that he has, you know, if you Google the t-shirt soldiers in Venezuela, you'll see something yeah. similar to what the video, you know, yeah. depicts. And it came out very nice, you know, it came out, yeah, it's he, beautiful. He, you know, like he, he put all the story together, he made all the illustrations, we actually had real shots of the city, you know, anybody who, who could, you know, like, who's familiar with the city, recognize the landmarks and all, all that right. stuff. And that's how it came about, and you know, it was a, it's, a, it's a music video. I'm a musician and a songwriter, composer. I never actually done it, any of these um, film festivals, you know. But uh, well, well, I took a chance <laughs> and I put the music out there and the video, and uh, I have received very incredible uh, feedback. Well, we know. wish you all success with that. Can you just tell me this one thing um, I want to ask? Um, I'm assuming that the as the song dies and the crowd and the that's that's the real audio, audio. Yeah, yeah. real audio. I thought it was. Yeah, and there is something, if you know, if anybody that speaks Spanish, there is actually something that refers to somebody being shot in the head. Yeah, I got that without getting it. Yeah. Because I don't speak Spanish. Have Have you got any questions for Carlos? Anyone? Um, how long did it take to put together? Like, um, he actually works. In, uh, I, I know he, he does this thing on his own taste, and uh, he actually took about two and a half months to put it all together. And I saw the drawings that he actually, where he you know started putting it all together, and you know it's a lot of work that you got to do to do that. One man job. Huh? Yeah, one man job. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So next we had um, Mad Ben, Grief Dance to Death by Norbrun, um, and yeah, the blurb was, a deserted landscape, a soldier encounters a mysterious object.
so this was an odd one. Um, it would, yeah. So essentially, a soldier wakes up in like a field, and then he's kind of wandering. So he's wandering through, um, you know, city streets, a desert, more more kind of fields. Until he, like, comes across kind of, like, floating objects in the sky. So he had, like, objects like TVs and just, you know, these weird kind of shapes and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, like, these missiles, are kind of missiles, but this stuff starts, like, shooting down from the skies. And you, we have him running... And running um, until he comes up against like this this wall, this wall of nothing, this wall of consciousness. And as he busts through it, everything becomes like kind of transient. Yeah. Like it was okay. It wasn't bad. Like, you know, it, it was, yeah, well shot. It looked nice and everything like that. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. There's not really... There wasn't... I don't know. They just didn't really have a, much to say. Um, I, I, there wasn't any connection for me to the piece. You know, it didn't kind of draw me in. It didn't kind of um, intrigue me or anything like that. But I think sometimes it's just because, you know, when you can't see everything that's in front of you, it's hard to have a connection to it. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Um, so, yeah, there was that. So, the next um, short that we had was Women Uprooted. Uh, this was by Dominique de Villers. Um, and the blurb was a thought-provoking documentary opening up the harsh realities of stateless living in the 21st century Britain. Um, and Dominique was in attendance. So, we will follow this with, um, you know, the Q&A, and you can uh, get her kind of, her thoughts, and the vision of the piece, and everything like that, um, so, this was, um, there was a lot of imagery, a lot of kind of abstract, um, kind of weird angled shots, and things like that, so it kind of starts off with a car moving at night, um, then we have kind of, but, you know, you don't really see the car, so it's kind of night, it's black, with these kind of flashes of light, um, you know, then we got, like, I don't know, like, clothes maybe, hanging. 
and in between that you get a a kind of a still shot of a woman standing or sitting or something you know but in a certain pose then it would be back to this kind of hanging clothing cloth fabric um then it's another you know another woman and so you had a few of those um then it's kind of like there's black like road markings so it's just these weird like different shots but a lot of flashing as well which um made it a bit hard to to concentrate on but over this over all the imagery there is a a a woman talking a woman narrating and she's like giving her um experience of you know being um a, a stateless refugee in the country trying to um you know trying to yeah get residency and and find a place and so yeah you hear these different experiences like at first she's living in london um they housed her in this one place but it was just a bit weird uh you know like the the person she's li- who's owning the place doesn't seem to want her there and is a bit rude to her uh, and in the middle of the night, even though she received a letter saying that she'll be in London for a while, she just gets like woken up and told, oh, there's a car outside and it's going to be taking you to Portsmouth or Plymouth. It began with P. Uh, and so it's just like, huh? What? But, you know, you don't know who to talk to in those situations, so you just have to kind of go along with it, you know, she gives, um, account of, like, situations of people that she knew, like, um, a girl was staying in a house, and the owner of that house just barged into the room she was in, and she was getting changed, so she's got no clothes on, and he's just barged in, but, you know, very unrepentant on what's just happened, and so she's kind of screaming at him to get out, you know, but, yeah, you don't have any rights, and you don't know, you know, and she's saying, so when they went to um, Portsmouth, she's staying in this place with a lot of other women, but the way you were treated was kind of dependent on the individual's experience with the system, so if things had been fine, they're going to be more friendly. But if they're having a hard time, you know, everything's a bit crazy for them, then they're a bit standoffish. They don't really want to talk. They might be a bit rude, you know, so it's this kind of thing. And she's like, on a certain day, you know, the letters would arrive. And so, you know, you're waiting on these letters that will give you information on if you can stay, you know, what's happening with your case. So on, there's this certain day when the letters would come and everyone would just sit on the stairs waiting. And yeah, once the letter came, everyone would take the letter and go into their room. But there's this kind of like, 
you're sitting there looking at it. Because you're so anxious, you're so like, oh, what's happening? So, you know, it's just like, oh, do I open it? Oh, what am I doing? So, yeah, there was this. And so you're listening to all of this. And and it's really interesting. You know, it's just this crazy situation, this crazy experience. But, uh, yeah, it's very compelling. But, yeah, it was just very difficult to kind of concentrate on because of the weird kind of flashing and always changing kind of imagery on the screen but uh yeah here is the um the q a with dominic and uh murray and uh yeah you can hear their perspectives on the whole thing so um, i'm dominic um this is a very interesting way of putting a documentary together, right? Um, with great imagery and a voiceover, mm-hmm. literally. Yeah. I mean, there is a shot of film, and I know um, the testimony. Um, it's a very unusual and original style. So, how did you come to put this together? Uh, yeah, um, I guess it started by just looking at the way the media portrayed the refugee crisis, and I felt quite disconnected with the idea of refugees as this kind of mass and this number. So the idea was kind of to um, kind of steer away from the facts and the more kind of statistical debate around the crisis that you find in the media and try and zero in on one person and her and the emotional side of the journey. And so the, the more experimental poetic visuals kind of accompanied, accompanied that. Yeah, I love um, that. Well, so that, that's kind of yeah. why we decided to go down that direction. Yeah. It was very fresh for me, and very touching, you know. Um, and I don't know. I found you could concentrate more on that audio mm. than if somebody's speaking. It was strange. Um, I don't know if you'd like to talk about that. Have you found people saying that? Yeah, I think so. Um, the fact that we, well, we we actually had a forty-five minute interview with this woman. Um, so and we cut it down to. I think five lines, right. uh, so that was very intentional. We wanted to leave room for the audience to take in a sentence and leave space between the sentences so that people could, the audience was left with time to think about yeah, what she's saying. Yeah, it's very clever that way. I think you made some, some really yeah. effective decisions on that. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. I've got any questions um, for Dominique Villiers about this film, very touching film. Thank you. Was the kid um, the actual um, daughter, or was that? Uh, no, um, actually, all the women and the child that you see are not refugees themselves, uh, because the the asylum seekers and the refugees that we interacted with all want to stay anonymous. Mm-hmm. Um, and with them, we were very conscious of trying to not objectify them and their stories. So we we took what they were willing to give to us. Um, so the one shot of a, a woman about mm-hmm. halfway through, that's not her? No, no. <gasps> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, she remained completely anonymous. Right. Um, and Which says a lot, actually, doesn't it? Yeah, oh. well, we felt that it wasn't, it wasn't needed necessarily, as long as the humanity of the person is on the screen. It doesn't matter who it is. It, that's the point. We're all people. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, so it's, it's a child. Um, yeah, that's, I really got that. 
it's a child. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, let's not um, let's not um, embellish it with with the fact that it's a child from another mm. country or culture. Exactly, I think it's yeah. really effective yeah. because you you know. And it's also conscious and subliminal, these messages that are coming out, and I think you really put that together. You know, of course, the whole art is to get the audience to think and to not have them realise they were thinking. And I think you really nailed that. Thank you. <laughs> okay, thank you. I'd like to move on to it. Okay, so the next film on display was Red Dress No Straps. Uh, this is from um, Mariam... Moya, um, and the description is just another ordinary evening at the grandparents in Tehran during the Iran-Iraq war with the voice of America on the radio. This, this was an animation. Um, yeah, so we've got this little girl and she sees, uh, like a, a a picture of a woman in a red dress and she's just like oh she's so pretty and that's such a nice dress i want to dress like that and so she asks her grandma to make her this dress um and the big thing she doesn't want straps because that's kind of grown that's you know what i mean that's what the big people wear and she's she you know she doesn't want to be this little girl she wants to be this adult she wants to grow into this thing, you know. Um, so we have that. And she's also then talking about how, you know, at school they're, they're getting taught to, you know, every day you, you have to say, um, we hate America. You know, so you, you're, you're kind of being indoctrinated. So there is all of this. Um, but, you know, she, she enjoys being at home with her family, you know, her dad, he listens to Voice of America on the radio every night, and, yeah, she just likes being around her, um, you know, her, her grandparents, and they're living, um, in this weird situation, you know, because, like, yeah, they're, they're in fear of, you know, what's going on around them. And there's this one point, and she's just like, ah, and the bombs get dropped. Saddam tries to bomb our house. Ah, he's a silly Saddam. He's a nasty man. Um, but they miss. And um, so, yeah, so, you know, the bombs miss. And she's then going on about, you know, more stuff that's happening, you know, school the next day, you know, again, it's America are are bad, America are evil, she's back at home, the dress is finally made, Ah, and she just loves it, but unfortunately, no straps, so it falls down, Um, so she's given straps, but she didn't want straps, and the film ends on this just really kind of ah uh, just this sad little note you know that just kind of makes you go yeah that's what happens right that's the reality that 
people don't want to talk about, you know, like, this was a, um, this was a nice little, nice little animation, you know, it, it's, it's not, like, um, groundbreaking animation, but the, 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 you know, the, the way they've done it, it works really well in telling this story, you know, it adds the heart to it, it breathes the life into the piece, you know, it, it really kind of, yeah, impacts you, this, this was a, this was a really nice little short, I enjoyed it, so, um, yeah, it's definitely worth checking, definitely worth checking out. Okay, so the next short was Apartment 34, and this is from Eduardo uh, Um and it's, um, it says, it's a fly on the wall um, observation of prostitution. And so, yeah, it, it starts and, you know, we have this kind of shot of a living room or just a room, you know. You're not quite sure what room it is. But, yeah, so we have this shot of room and you're hearing noises. And at first you're like, huh, what's happening? And then you're like, oh, um, I think that's sex, right? It must be sex. Uh, so we have this and then... You know, we, we, we next shot is like a woman, and she's getting dressed. Uh, she's like talking, um, and it's just yeah, it, it's just like you know, she's on her phones. She's showing this guy, you know, whoever it is, like the phones, but like the camera angles are all very. Yeah, the camera angle is kind of weird And it's hard to tell, like, from what perspective is the camera angle meant to be? You know, because it, 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 the way it moves and sometimes it's just looking down at the floor, coming forward So yeah, it's a bit hard to understand, like, look, are we meant to be looking through someone's eyes? What is that situation? But the problem with this, for me, was it was just all subtitled. And you don't really get the film if you can't read the subtitles. You know, because I think after a while, like, you think, I think that's a sex worker. You think this must be a sex worker that we're, you know, that we're... Following here Um But yeah Like there's not really a lot of indication And then a bit later Um We're back in the apartment She's having sex again But that yeah that's it Like it's hard to Kind of understand what's happening You know And it's got a very um Abrupt ending Yeah which is like, huh, okay. Um, but Eduardo was in attendance, and um, so yeah, you can hear, you know, his thoughts on it and how he put it together, and the ideas around it all.
So um, here you go. Make. Thank you. Thanks for your film. Um, it's a very piece. No, much easier this room. It's a very brave piece to make, um, both from your point of view and from hers. You know, um, how did you get to know uh, the sex worker who's the central character? So <clears throat> basically, I used to work as a play, uh, photographer for Playboy in Brazil. And oh. in that time, I didn't realize that she used to work with this in Brazil before. So when she moved to London, she just told me that I had to do what I do, what I used to do in Brazil is this kind of work. And the way how the film comes was quite interesting because this didn't supposed to be a film. This was a university exercise. So um, one of our teachers asked to, us to do observational documentary. And I asked her, how you are living? Like a, you, you can welcome me to try to follow your life. She's like, yeah, just walk in. <laughs> I was like, she ah. was amazingly open. Yes, she was. And yeah. I really didn't expect to, to, to receive and right, like to yeah. get that experience over there. I, I like that she was so happy to make the film. And so much so that we were never really embarrassed. We were never the voyeurs. Mm -hmm. You know, although it's fly on the wall, we, we don't feel like voyeurs um, meeting her, which I think is um, very impressive. Um, she seemed very happy to make this film. Uh, yes, but at the same time, what is quite interesting is like, I don't know if the language created this wall, but um, in the end, at the mirror, is the first time in the film that she hides herself. And it's when she's crying. Uh, so like a, uh, we need like a read the subtitle, so we we take our eyes from the mirror. But she, for the first time, then when she's open, really what she wanna, like for her life, yeah, she's yeah. hiding and she's crying. Uh, so she gave completely the back, right. and and this is like oh okay. And they start she talk about money and how happy this life it is, and, and then the she end she say that's like a, the only thing that she can do. She wants to feel alive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 very touching that. I was surprised at how much she could earn. Yeah, I mean, you know, those texts <laughs> coming in, it's like, whoa, okay, maybe we should reconsider. Uh, but I'm not just yeah, kidding. Yeah, these are secret, yeah. Yeah, um, I was very surprised by the uh, statistics at the end. Now, I know that you're an academic, so I just want to just check something. What's the source of these, um, these st st statistics? There's the first one, which seems plausible. It looks like... A, um, on the first panel, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was what a government research. Um, yeah, we have a government research. It's open uh, uh, in the internet, and yeah. we have some uh, institution. Then, they, for example, we have one in America. Then this release about uh, the prostitution in Europe and in general. Yeah. So yeah, the main the main research was. There. But the one that surprised me now is the twelve percent. I'm doing. I, I wrote it down while we were watching. Twelve percent of students have worked in the. Did it say sex trade? And no artwork. In the some like a involve it somehow. Okay, involve uh, some, And that yes. includes prostitution, but but yeah. in a way I was worried about that statistic because I think if somebody is dancing, <laughs> is that counted as being part of the statistic? And um, they they get as a statistic as well, like a sugar daddies and all this kind of uh, because you have a lot like as men and and women's um, being in sugar, that is websites as well, and so they they, 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 they use this as part of 
as well uh, the statistics but, sh- but surely it's going to say student because that would be something that somebody would but doesn't mean they're a student yeah, I'm just yeah. suggesting <laughs> I'm just it's I'm not in any way um, saying this is inaccurate but it, it I okay. think it needs personally I think it needs more proof in some okay. ways but that's not for you to do no it's not for you to do sorry I'm just I just want to challenge that because um, I'm me and I'm a prude <laughs> Um, but thank you for having on. Thank you. Okay, so the next film was um, Oosh. I think it's pronounced Zhang Yun, uh, by Zhu Song Kei. Uh, and it says one canoe goes by, like the lingering sound on vibrating strings. This was really short, like really short, but really nice, you know. So we we kind of get a um, you know, the first image is oars hitting the water and moving along. Then there's like swans flying. Then the swans in the water. It's all kind of a little bit abstract. Kind of um serene uh, There's like Japanese writing comes up And then it ends And there's just this kind of lilting music in the background So yeah, real short I think there was a, some subtitles up But I, you know But yeah I mean, It was just nice to view You know It'd be interesting to see something longer um, By the people you know, because I think, um, yeah, by the looks of this, they could put something nice together. Um, but yeah, that would be, uh, that'd be interesting. Okay, so then we had Running After by Will Peppercorn. Uh, and it says, a young athlete keeps running until he can't stop. So, what we have here, like, the first thing we see is, like, a guy getting physio for, um, like, a running injury he sustained. And, um, the you know, the physio tells him, okay, yeah, you, you've kind of damaged your foot. You just need to rest for a bit and you'll be fine. So, um... You know, he wakes up the next day and just goes running. So, yeah, there's no, you know, inclination of heeding what he's been told. So, yeah, just goes running again. Um, But, and the crazy thing was, his girlfriend was over. So, she's in bed with him. And I think it's a new situation too. It doesn't leave a note, doesn't leave anything, just goes running. So he gets home and um, she's left. But his flatmate's just like, yep, yeah, had to tell her where you were, that you know, you've gone running and blah, blah, blah. blah. So you have all of this. Um, he, he's then running in the gym, goes back to the doctor. And the doctor tells him, he um 
you know, he looks at the foot again, they, they do some x-rays, and he's just like, yo, you need a cast on your foot, like, it's in bad situation, um, and if you continue, you'll be crippled, so he gets the cast, but, you know, it, it's one of those boot things, so I mean, you can take it off, because he still goes running, still goes running, and throughout this, we get a flashback to a little kid, like, he has a, a really brief conversation with his mum on the phone, um, and we, we see him, like, throwing up in the toilet, like, he seems down, but there's not a lot of um, explanation, you know, so you can draw conclusions, you can have ideas to why this might be happening, but, yeah, I just feel that then there should have been something a bit clearer on what the situation was, now, um, afterwards, Will, you know, he was there, he did a Q&A, and he, he does talk about the things in it, and, like, why the guy's running, now, but the problem is, now, you could make a guess at that, but the, the things in the film are so vague, so vague, um, and it's, and very brief as well, so it would be easy for someone just to miss a little sign, that would be like, oh, possibly it's that, it's possibly that, and I just think, look, if it was a longer piece, you, you know, you could lay small breadcrumbs, but for something so short, you probably need a, a better indication of what's happening, because otherwise, you've just seen this guy just running, and you're just like, why, why the fuck is he running, like, he's been told he might be crippled, what's going on, so you, you know, you know, clearly there's something going on, that he needs some sort of help, he needs to talk to someone, you know, you know there's something, but you're not really given much of a glimpse into what that could be, but, uh, yeah, listen to, um, what Will and Murray have to say, because, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, again, it's a different perspective on what I, uh, you know, came with. Yes. <laughs> um, how did you come up with this story? Is it, do you have any inside knowledge in terms of uh, one is um, an endorphin junkie and uh, the idea of keeping running? Uh, yeah, so I'm um, a runner myself and then um, the story sort of came about from a um, close friend I um, know it uh, was a couple of years ago and um, we had just finished a race and he had um, sort of run off into the distance from the thing 
and uh, <coughs> I was asking how he was how he was doing, and he said, uh, "I well, I was at the doctor's um, two weeks ago, and he said that if I keep on running, um, then I'll be in a wheelchair by uh, within a year." And having just run <laughs> a pretty amazing sort of ten k, and it was just sort of quite harrowing that he. Um, and what do we know how he is now? Uh, no, I've fallen out of contact with him, but I am looking to get back in contact with him. So, yeah. Yeah, because you might want to say, look, I based this film on him. <laughs> 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 That's sad and moving, and I mean, we can all relate to that, you know, the idea of just believing in some kind of dream or obsession that kind of you, you know. It's like those boxers who don't give up in time. Very touching, um, and very well put together. I like the um, the imagery of the whole piece. Um, so it's it's a sad film. Um, where did you film it? Uh, in Edinburgh, where I studied. Okay. So, um, okay, so in Edinburgh. Yeah. Okay. Based up there on a film course um, at ECF. So. So you are you on the film tour? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've just come into my third year there. Interesting. So I met your dad somewhere where this film was showing, and he was also a filmmaker, right? Um, documentary maker. Documentary yeah, maker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that counts too, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, have you any questions for Will about this one? Was there a suggestion that the mother was ill? Yes. I so. um, that's going for chemo. Sorry. Yes. yes, so that's not really been picked up by them. Well, from feedback, the majority of people haven't picked up on that, but that was the whole. Yeah, that's what I thought. He was running away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but you know, it's like, it's good that I think people get this subliminally and subconsciously. Um, because I've seen the film twice, so. Um, it does communicate, and it's like jazz. It's the notes you don't play rather than the notes you do play. And I think the film is like that. There's lots of begging questions that you can, then they're little seeds that later come to fruition. You go, oh, right, okay, yeah, yeah. So, um, um, what was it? Was there any kind of eating disorder involved? In, was he actually eating enough? Um, it. Well, I tried to make it play into a much broader issue that isn't really... It's starting to be more recognised, I think. And what is that? But, um, well, sort of um, eating disorders and um, sort of self-punishment within people in extreme sports. Right. Um, yes, it is. It's got some self-harming elements, hasn't mm -hmm. it? So Gosh. And they're starting to come out more in the sporting community. <laughs> They've sort of been under wraps for a little while, but people are starting to sort of talk about it, out about it more. So yeah. Well, that makes it does make sense. Um, thank you for mm. sharing that. Um, so um, now we come to Jackie Wang. Okay. So the next feature was. 2.3 times 2.6 times 3.2 uh, and this was by uh, Jackie Wang 
and it says the certainty of hope against the uncertainty of disease now this was something that you needed the subtitles for you know without the subtitles it is impossible to kind of decipher anything that was happening so um yeah Jackie she was there and she did a Q&A afterwards and um yeah th- what she said i i couldn't have picked any of that up from from just watching this so you know it's kind of hand drawn um japanese style uh animation and it you know it looked nice and everything like that but yeah i just wasn't able to um yeah get anything really from it so listen to the q and a and uh yeah you know that will give you some sort of insight into uh what this is so so moving um thank you um i want to know um it's so harrowing to watch this and when you realize what that title means it kind of hits you very hard because you go what's that and then you find out um can you tell me about uh, some more about it's not clear did did your aunt um Okay, I was scared to ask, but I just hoped. Yeah. yeah. If she's not okay, I think the film will be completely different in a different way. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah but yeah. but don't worry that I didn't know oh, yeah. because I think it's it's yeah. universal as well. Mm-hmm. It's about your aunt, but it's about yeah, yeah. You know that yeah. any, those patient, any patient, you know, um, and loved ones and families that are suffering within that situation it's the not knowing right yeah. but i'm glad it's all clear yeah okay um has anyone got any questions about that um the animation uh, style that you chose um was there like a reason behind it oh yes because you see this uh figure that tap put in front of the house because that figure i found from the welcome collection museum and it's a healing figure from the uh, from kaboon uh, it's called Karu and it's uh, in the uh, island in India. So I kind of, kind of like choose that figure and uh, link it with my aunt disease and together. And also, because you see this uh, picture that use, I use Leno cards. So I want to borrow, yeah, yeah. I want to borrow some uh, wooden texture from that process. Yeah. And the look of the main character, like the way you portrayed yourself? Oh uh, yeah, the text. Um, yeah, because yeah. I kind of like it's not just uh, a theme for my aunt it's also a theme like for myself it's a ritual that I'm trying to help her getting better because she's really depressed and she's really suffering from this not not just the um, body but also the mental stuff yeah how long did it take to put all of it together in making process um, the, the actual like, drawing and um, like four months I think. see when you sit here 
and watch that go past and go, how wonderful, how amazing, how touching, how moving, and then four months. Yeah, basically. Because <laughs> I, I start to level up before that, so if I count that, maybe it's five. Mm. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. So you're drawing every day? Yeah, every day. Wow. Makes me feel rather mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And the night ended with Brother by Tulsi Shivanan and uh, and it you know the breakdown is Zihat is unable to lean on his brother, so to stop his nightmares he calls upon the dream eating Baku. Uh, so you know the the first kind of scene we have is the two brothers praying in front of some candles then um yeah the the younger goes to sleep and he's having these nightmares um his older brother he uh you know he's still awake and he yeah he kind of hears some noises so he, he's standing by the door and he sees you know he hears what's happening but he looks in you know there's not really anything he can do you know he's a bit miffed uh but you know over the course of several days you can see how the impact of these dreams are affecting um zay uh so we just see the brothers interacting and um you know, just doing things like doing the job that they have. So it's selling dumplings and food on the street. And it's just, you know, the younger brother kind of spiraling. And, you know, to try and get rid of these dreams, he's wearing a necklace, which is the Baku. So, yeah, it's a kind of old myth and it's meant to, um, you know, Take away your, uh, you know, your pains, your your fears, and all of this kind of thing, but that is having a detrimental effect. So you could make, you know, I think you could make enough out without having the sub reading the subtitles. So it was, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad, but yeah, this wasn't, this was a well put together piece, you know, it looked good, uh, like you could see the effect that the Baku was having on Z, um, so yeah, that worked, um, now, like, some of the structure of the film, like, things happened, but then went nowhere, so it was a bit like, uh, wait, mm, like, that doesn't, like, why put that there, now, they kind of explain that in the Q&A, um, but, yeah, no, this looked good, it seemed to work, it did seem to work, so, yeah, here is the Q&A of the piece, Can I ask how you got 
the idea for the story, and is this where we cue Mitchell? This is where we cue Mitchell. <laughs> Mitchell, come down. <laughs> Yeah, so cultural references that clearly um, you have knowledge of yeah. how. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I just have quite a broad interest in folklore and things around yeah. the world and that, you know, people make stories to, to represent things that they're scared of or they feel about. Or like yeah, so, so I've never even heard of the backup. Mm. So um, clearly... That's a real concept, culturally, mm -hmm. yeah? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think with the Baku, we kind of took the broad idea of the Baku, but then injected some of our own stuff, like the cold and things, to kind of give it more of a real-world presence then. So it's not in English, so, do you, so did it get translated? How does that yeah, work? Yeah, so we, we worked quite closely with a translator during like the script writing process, the rehearsals, and actually one of our actors, Gang, who's here, he is a translator as well, so it is kind he? Of that was useful. Well, <laughs> Do you know you came in and I thought I recognised you, and I was trying not to come down, please. And I was trying not to um, go. Oh, you're him. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's cool. What if I got it wrong? Because I, you know, I could, right? Come down, please. Okay. <laughs> One thing I do want to say is I love the chemistry that. The two brothers. So the, both of our actors lived in a house together for a week, and I think, I don't know, Gang can speak for it, but I think that quite helps. You guys seem to get on really well. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> oh, we, yeah, we've had become a very good friend after that. Yeah, you yeah. seem, there seemed to be an incredible relationship yeah. there, you know. Um, so the paranormal aspects of this piece are actually quite really strong and beautifully executed in, in the making of this film. Now, I felt quite tense, right, in a good way. So can you tell me about that, how you came to? Um, well, we, we kind of, when we came up with including the back as part of the film um, and attaching kind of the cold elements to it, we, I guess we kind of figured like how did we want to execute it and thought, I mean, if we had had the money, obviously the effects would have been great. <laughs> we went down the practicals route. Um, Do you know I like that, actually? I. I was so pleased not to see effects. effects. Yeah. And then we kind of, we thought by filming it in a certain way, so all our Ronin shots were done from the viewpoint of the Baku, and that was a decision by our DP to kind of distinguish the Baku um, as a character. So, yeah. Wow. So, any questions? Because time is moving on. It's not that I, you know, I could talk to you no. guys all night, but we get kicked out. Yes, I knew you'd have one. You've been great, man. Just a <laughs> big round of applause for you. <laughs> Next, you're going to tell me he was a plant. I promise he's not. <laughs> Please. The bathroom, was that in any way related to like sleep paralysis? Or like, like what um. was the condition of the main character? So there was like a we had a, more of a back story to it, but we ended up having to cut it out in the edit. But <laughs> and well, the back is attached to like kind of re the removal of nightmares. So you call upon it, and it kind of takes away your bad dreams. Um, he, our like character, kind of struggles with anxiety and like kind of has nightmares. It was rooted because his mother had an illness and she was struggling back home in China. But the amount of scenes that we cut out, we kind of 
remove that element from it. So I guess you now know. But we felt um, when we were going through it, so that, that was our graduate film. And when we were going through it with our teachers, they kind of felt like it was a story that was, it kind of took away from the brothers' relationship slightly. So we ended up cutting it out. But yeah. Yeah, it's what Woody Allen said that um, making films is getting rid of your favourite bits. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Axing yeah. it. A bit like life. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much. Um, well, we're out of time, which is sad, but... Okay, so third night of the UK Film Festival And today it was a feature documentary um, And it was called American Mirror um, But before that, there was a uh, a little Banksy um, show Which was set in Venice And uh, so, you, you know, you had the river and people on the... Pagodas, pagodas. I think it's pagodas. Uh, and you know, on the side, an artist he he comes, and he sets up his pictures because other people are selling pictures and stuff like that. So he sets up his pictures, but he's pick. You know, what he has is a um a kind of collage. So it's a lot of pictures that make up one big picture, and it was of a um a big ferry ship. Going down the canals And everyone's disgusted by it. it Like As much so that You have the, the police Making him move on um, So he's packed up And he's moving And then the um, You know the scene shifts And you see This big ship In the river so it's not in the canal, but it's in the river, it's there. So it is, what he painted was, was kind of a truth of the situation. So it was, it was just a nice little funny show. So yeah, that was nice, that worked. And yeah, then we go into American Mirror. Um, yeah, it, I, I mean, it, well, it's full title is American Mirror Intimations of Immorality uh, And it's by Arthur Boulder And the gist is this How do we perceive and judge ourselves and others In a world dominated by social media Which demands perfect beauty and instant gratification Oscar winner Susan Sarandon and painter Tigon um discuss how the apparently in conflict values of beauty and aging are perceived in our social media obsessed society. Uh so yeah, this was um this was interesting because you know, so we start with like Susan um, so Randon walking into the room with Tigon, um, the painter, and you know she she f- sees the painting that he's working on, and we just see her like happiness at seeing it, and you know the way that he's been able to capture her, and she says, "Look, other people have tried, but they've not been able to to do it." So this is great. I yeah, I love it. I love it. 
so we have this and then you know today because he's been working from photos and today is a live sitting so she takes position and um yeah so they're working and as they're working they're having a conversation about um beauty and aging and i think the appreciation of what beauty is and what beauty is to them so we're doing all of this but it's getting cut with other scenes so we have um like moving around the city so external shots moving around the city and we're seeing like Tiggins work on top of buildings so that was one then like another one is we we see this art gallery getting set up so it's all getting set up with Tiggins work and then loads of people come in um, so obviously it's the opening night, it's a launch And yeah, people are looking at the work and he's moving around the gallery And then another kind of cutscene was him walking through New York Walking through New York and kind of seeing other people around Like there's a woman um that you're seeing, and he's just walking, but he's, and there's other people around, and they're kind of merging, you know, like, kind of walking through each other in this weird kind of way, and it's kind of, you know, so it's being shot in certain different ways, like, from above, then it comes from below and to the side, and so we're, you know, we're seeing all of this, like, another one is him in a nightclub, and the music's all blaring, and there's another woman there, and they walk up to each other, and they're staring into each other's eyes, or something like that, and then he walks back to the bar, but yeah, it's kind of lit in a certain way. And again, you know, the barriers between people is very transient. And so, yeah, we, we have these kind of odd cutscenes in between. And, like, it's fine and all. Like, so this is the weird thing. They look really good. Like, it's shot really well. All these kind of little scenes and these things that they're doing, you know, it's shot really well. It looks good, you know. It's it's kind of weird little angles and everything like that. But it was kind of like, what really is the purpose of these? You know, because maybe your it's to go look. All of these different scenes are be have beauty in their own way. Like, what is beauty to you? Maybe it's that. But I think the real interest of this piece was the conversation between Tigan and um, Sarandon. You know, that was the real interest for me. Like, at one point... Um, 
you know, but she's like, you know, he, he, they're talking, he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, it's, a live sitting is really good, and she's just like, oh, why? And he's like, as you paint the air between your eyes and, you know, your muse, which was an, kind of an interesting thing to say, you know? And I think that will resonate with some people more than others, you know? But you just have all these conversations about what they perceive to be beauty. You know, like Sarandon saying, um, you know, when she was younger, um, she didn't really appreciate her her looks. Like, people would say she was beautiful and stuff like that. But she didn't really appreciate it. And then um, she was saying how Playboy would contact her all the time and be like, oh, we'd love to you to do a, you know, a center spread. And she was just a bit like, I never did it because every time I'd see the girls in there, they always look empty. You know, and it, and she's just like, look, the, the, you know, it never captures like real happiness, real joy or anything like that. And that's a part of being beautiful. You know, you can look a certain way, but if there's nothing under the surface, the beauty isn't really there. It's like you can see people with both and they've had Botox. So there's no real expression. So is that really beautiful? Because expression is part of the beauty. The age is part of the beauty. The experience is part of the beauty. And all of that is really interesting. Do you know? Because it all makes sense. Because I think this is how a lot of people view it. But. A lot of people also view it as just, you know, the superficial being the most beautiful. You know, so if someone goes and gets a lot of work done, they're they're incredible now. You know, if you have, like, perfect symmetry on your face, then that's beautiful. But if someone has a a slight blemish, they're still beautiful. It is... Now, now they've now got a uniqueness that kind of resonates more than someone who just has a general look, you know? So there's all these kind of things on beauty that, yeah, I thought was really interesting. But, um, yeah, it was just the, the abstract shots, although, you know, they were done well. I don't think they added enough to the piece. And especially the amount that were there. Maybe if there was just one or two. But, you know, for the amount that they had, it didn't really work for me. But, uh, so afterwards, um, Arthur Boulder was um, around for a QA. and a so, uh, yeah, why don't you check that out? Because I think that will give you some more interesting insights. Okay, cool.
Up like, can you see faces? Thank you. Okay. Well, um, <coughs> somebody said, what was this about? And I actually thought I'd better write something down. What I found of this is an art film about art and the making of art through the eyes of Tigran and through the visual poetry of Arthur. Right? That's what I came up with. <laughs> See my notes. I'm still <laughs> My phone battery is dead from Gaged. scribbling. Yeah, you, you know what you can have these after. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Look, I thought every frame, beside the overall narrative and the overall message and the overall debates, this film, this the visual poetry and the every frame was a photograph unto itself. Thank you. That I mean, that's why it was as if I was sitting in not an art gallery, but I was like appreciating every shot. Um, tell me about that. Who's your DOP? I was a DOP. Yeah, I knew that was the answer. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> it took a lot of pain. Yeah? Yeah, because um, at the beginning I wanted to have a DOP, but I had problems uh, following up my, my expectation. And so I couldn't pay a big guy. Um, so I thought, okay, I'm going to try to to do this my way, to control every single aspect. And what you say is very pleasing to me because I was giving a lot of import to, to every single frame. And also, uh, of course, there were many things that I wasn't pleased and they were not used in the end. So okay. it's like you have to trim and yeah, get rid of things that... Okay, so how much footage was there versus how much is in the hour we saw? Yeah, the, the, the rough cut, not so rough, was almost... Uh, almost uh, <coughs> there were many other things. But, but even in the rough cut, there were obviously there was stuff that never made it. You must have shot. Exactly, yeah. But, um, shot eight, yeah, well, nine hours, right? Yeah, well, I was editing. I thought it was very important, the, the concept of uh, cinematic flow. And sometimes you have, so you have something that is good, but uh, <coughs> it, it brings an obstacle, creates an obstacle. And so uh, you, you like it, but the whole thing stumbles. And it's a sacrifice you have to do for the unity. Okay. Yeah, so what I like is that you've, you've made some really bold choices because um, I'm not saying you break rules, but often you, it's like a totally fresh approach to something and you go, oh, not seen that before. Or, um, and I, I, I really like that about, Thank about you. the film. I mean, there's, Thank you. there's new stuff in there. It's certainly a new narrative um, form in a way because although um, everything's out there um, has been done already but I, I kind of I really liked the fact that you weren't limited and correct me if I'm wrong but you were never limited by the fact that you need to document real life there are reconstructions of real life I believe would you like to yeah. talk about that because yeah yeah I think that's <coughs> impinges upon the probably one of the most important points uh, everything is there so the the, the problems that um, that many artists go through, and particularly Tigran was going through, without going into personal details. I didn't want to go into personal details, into personal description, like I have this problem. So I think when you verbalize the problem, the problem in a, in a matter <coughs> loses strength. Uh, when you, you, you're a writer, you, you know that very well. So when you're writing for, for cinema, it's about what the characters don't say, but what is there motivating the, the action motivating the even words that are not directly related to, to what's, what is the, rea the true intention, but it's what, how the intention is pushing them towards something. Yeah. So 
many everything is there. So the phone call coincides with certain types of paintings, which is the same model, which was his ex-wife. That's the only thing I can say. Um, and so, so all this uh, situation is evolving, but I didn't want it to be obvious, to be uh, something that you can just uh, describe. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very intriguing. And um, there was, there, that's why I said before I came down, there are just so many questions. And I think yeah. that's fantastic that it asks these questions. And you know, I don't believe we want to be patronized to know every answer. Um, it's, it's good to wonder about stuff. Yeah. Um, I love the uh, concept in this, that the painter paints the air between the artist and the subject. And, and the fact, I love that Susan Sarandon didn't quite get it and mocked it. <laughs> because that was, she was the audience at that yeah. moment. But I really got that, yeah. you know. Because yeah. I don't know what's happening in the air between us. Exactly. So it takes some interesting turns, this piece, because um, one minute we think we're looking at um, art and um, a debate between a beautiful Hollywood actress and um, Tigran, who's um, very successful. And the next minute we realize that he really does come from nothing and that he has a sad past and he, you know, he comes out of a, um, an, an era that um, is very challenging and I don't know exactly it's little hints of things is there much to well, tell I us think, about that? Uh, I think all immigration paths are quite uh, difficult uh, it's not uh, everybody who tries to make something in a big city and goes from, from a place uh, or everybody who's living in a big city and tries to, to, to create a path it's, it's difficult, it's tough we have to we basically what we encounter are uh, uh, obstacles and it's about overcoming these obstacles. So this is a particular case, uh, but in that case, I, I, I don't think it's uh, m much more difficult than many other cases that are, that remain undocumented or unknown. So it just some stories become more prominent because of the result of that that person achieves. But I have a lot of respect for 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 the um, unknown. Uh, Heroes, you know, people who yeah. are trying to do things, who are very talented, and, and, and sometimes the reason is because they never get the opportunity to show it. Or actors, there are so many great actors, I think, and, and actresses, and, and sometimes they don't achieve a fantastic career because just they were not at the right moment on the right spot. So yeah. that's what I think um, in general about this. And so I wanted the, the, the film to look like a more like a casual thing, you know. Like everything is natural, so. Uh, that's it, but it, it it kind of says without um, without underlining it that this artist, in spite it, this is what it said to me. In spite of his success, in spite of his good looks, in spite of his rather fantastic car <laughs> and his success, <laughs> that he's a, still a tortured soul, yeah. right? And I think that just because comes through. I think because we, then we go to time. I think time is a big protagonist of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Time is um, um, enveloping, engulfing the whole thing. It's, uh, it's too powerful. So we, we, we come to this world with nothing, and we forget that we will leave it with, with, a, with nothing. Yeah. And we come alone, and we will live alone. Uh, well, we don't come so alone, because at least when we come, we are with our mothers. <laughs> but okay. when, we leave, when, yeah. we, when we leave, we are, we are just, uh, in the end, it's, it's very sad. So. So we just forget this um, this tragic sense of existence, and 
and I think that's what uh, I wanted to to pervade the the movie that that there is a tragic sense of of uh, in living. That is something that's going to extinguish that what you achieve is important, but is what is important is <coughs> relative. Yeah. Everything is is relative. Yeah. So yeah, it's important uh, at some point, but maybe it's not so important. I don't know. It's like uh, I think like that. Uh-huh. I was <laughs> I was um, very interested in obviously the visual scape of this piece because it was it had some stunning moments. And as you say, it's a wonderful fluidity. So it's quite very hard to achieve. It was helped incredibly by your choice of music. Yeah. Um, there was tell me about the composer. I saw the composer in the credits. Um, that wasn't all by that composer, was it? It was several pieces. Can you tell me about no, the, the music? The whole music is, is done by Mark, by Mark Fetter. Well, give him my love and tell him I think he's fantastic. There was a lot of drama with the music. I, I, yeah. I had many problems because at the beginning uh, there was someone chosen that I didn't, I didn't choose. And I, I wasn't ha- happy with the decision. And so it, there was drama because then uh, the thing didn't work. So I kind of elaborated more, but it was like a crisis. We got a crisis, production crisis. And I thought, uh, I think I should choose the composer. Fortunately, the executive producer was totally on my side, David, and and it was a major decision that he decided to follow to follow my proposal. And then everybody was, well, not everybody, but I think everybody who was um, watching the movie uh, objectively from the production point of view was very very happy with the result. And the music is very important. I was working hand by hand, by hand with uh, with uh, with Mark. He's uh, considered one of the most important. Uh, trailer composers now in the world. Oh, He's okay. making fantastic um, deals with uh, with Avengers. The last US trailer of Avengers was made by him. The, the last trailer of um, of um, Blade Runner, the second Blade Runner was made. The US tra- TV trailer was made by him. So he's become he's he's there very important because he wants to keep his freedom, and and that's why he has some problems. Uh, to, to get good deals for whole soundtracks in Hollywood because he's okay. keeping his freedom and, and also th- you know the the trailer music is probably the the best pay, the best paid segment in music composing so well yeah that's, that's very impressive I uh, I like that you want to talk about him but I want to talk about you okay. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm better talking about the others yeah, of course <laughs> and me too that's why I'm talking about you about him about her and you know so tell me how much of now it's very interesting but um, I recognize this in the artist and what everybody who's an artist goes through, um, that you can't get anything done, and you can't get people to do stuff, and in the end you do it yourself. You became your own D- DP, you ended up choosing your own um, um, composer, yeah? um, and how, how does, how, what underpins your need to strive for um, Artistic product. Well, I, I think what happens is that um, seventh art art is, is an art, and we are forgetting that it's an art sometimes. Mm-hmm. So the the problem is that there are many parts intervening, many parts. It's very complex because good photography means many many factors. Good writing, you know, it's complex, it's very complex. So one person who does everything is technically impossible. But I think we should push more our our ourselves. Sometimes we get very comfortable in productions and schemes and productions 
production schedules and then someone else will do we do that and someone else will do that and then and then things begin to drift away and so uh, what we were talking about fluidity and unity so i think what underpins that is my need to express myself i remember i had many problems um shooting my 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 previous uh, documentaries because i was always having problems with with the editors not that they were not good enough it's just I felt that it was taking so much time to explain them what I wanted, and I thought I have to do it because, because if I do it, I'm going to in a certain way to win, win time and also win more. It's a more direct uh, relation to the material, so it's like because cinema is also a material that is similar to sculpture. You you, you can model it, you can, but it's very difficult. It's very difficult to to get to that moment when you feel you you can give it uh, form yourself with your. Yeah, and you need craft and you need technology. It's, art is in there as well, obviously. Yeah. But you know, you've got those other two things. Yeah. Can I just, before I turn it over to yeah. the audience, I'd like to leave you with one thing that I really felt watching it now, uh, because I had seen it before, but it really rang through to me. Hit that mo those final moments where he looks at the blank canvas and he has the blank canvas of his future. And um, I think you. you you portray that very well in the piece, and um, so um, it, I'm sure it made us all think about the blank canvas of our own future. Um, questions, everybody, please. Thank you. Uh, uh, I felt that you captured the um, empty, the emptiness of New York. How how it feels with the skyscrapers and then urban urban quality of New York. How it was struggled as a reflection of the character. So I'm really curious how you did that. How do you see New York in your eyes? And how, why did you decide to do it the way you did? Mm -hmm. I get the question. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yes, uh, you're always happy when you feel that the audience uh, gets exactly what you want. Mm -hmm. So in this case, it makes me very happy because I, I find New York is a very interesting place. I mean, obviously, it's a hub. The opportunity is there. But also people are like not killing each other, but <laughs> just there is a, a big competence, yeah. And this creates uh, an atmosphere. Also, well, that comes connected to the atmosphere of competence. You, you walk down the street close to Port Authority uh, at a time where people are going out of the offices. They walk towards you like ho like buffaloes. You know, it's like <laughs> they're gonna kill you if you don't move away, and and they just hit you actually. And then, and then that's that's something that is not there portrayed, but is this atmosphere of this sensation also for artists that they have to compete, that they have to to get to some place. That also creates uh, other feelings internally, creates a feeling of of lonely of uh, loneliness, yeah, a feeling of uh, you you miss uh, parts of your life, particularly when you were younger or a child where you were more connected to a little environment like the family. So I think Tigran, um, obviously he was a prodigious child as a painter. His parents are wonderful parents that discover, I think <coughs> wonderful, wonderful parents are, when you, when you have a particular talent specific, like imagine you can play piano wonderfully or you can play violin wonderfully and your, your parents discover it, that's a great favor they do to you. Because if not your talent, specific talent can get, um, and not not be noticed unnoticed yeah so they notice it and they nurture it and then he became very successful as a child painter and I think that's also part of the of the internal um, conflict that he carries 
because he, he needs to live to the expectation and to live up to whom he was. And I think it's, that's very difficult because when we are children, um, life in a way is much easier. We have this uh, energy, you know, that this happens. You see children playing, you know, I would like to, to feel like them for a few hours and, and it's not possible anymore. So I think it's very difficult to compare yourself to a, to a child that, that was also successfully professionally because he had much more power you know, in, in a manner, a power that you cannot have an, as an adult or, or, or that is very difficult to have. Oh, I think it's impossible. It's impossible because of the, <coughs> of the difficulty of, of our life. It's just not possible. But that's why when he is going up and, uh, and the stair, and we, uh, it was shot at the same place, exactly the same place. That's what, uh, it's not explained in the film, but it, I think it's, it's, uh, there is a sensation of that, that he's trying to go to the place where the, ch where the child was. And it's extremely difficult. That's what I wanted to yeah, show. So I want to explain things more through I, through I, through the ideas, more through image than through text. Yeah. I think that's why it, when you try to do that, you become more cinematic, because if you explain everything with words, then well, it's wonderful also, but it's more text. Yeah. I think, I think he was first. Oh, sorry. I can't see. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Firstly, I want to say it's super beautiful film. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. My question is, um, the conversation between them two seems totally uninhibited or influenced. Did you at any point give direction to the conversation? All the questions that he makes, well, they say all not, but 95% were prepared. The questions that he makes. And and I explained Susan was about in the film, of course, because I don't think she would come without explaining. So, so uh, it's more a, a, a play of of enacting its structure. No? When you give a structure to an, secretly to an actor, and uh, in theater you do you, you give an a, a structure secretly to one, and you give another structure to secretly secretly to the other, and then they meet. And they don't know there are no lines, but th there is a <coughs> a point where you want to drive. But the one who has the questions, because this the provocation mm. to the the subject of the conversation. Uh, that was Tina. He had the questions that I prepared. Well, question. he did. He, you know, he did that so naturalistically. Mm -hmm. I never suspected that. Of course, on points he reacts also. That's yeah, why yeah, yeah. it's a ninety-five percent. But he's because also you know you can see he's um, he's by nature a shy person. Mm -hmm. He's shy. That's shy. Shy. Shy actors are very good once they overcome shyness because they have this privacy. That's why he has this privacy. He's very shy, and um, so so you cannot put these two big cameras with the, the we use at that time what was the best anginous lens in the world, so that we can go close and we, you cannot put a superstar with a painter who is completely the opposite in the sense of how they live. A superstar lives for the audience and for the public, and a painter is someone who's there many hours alone painting, so he's he's much more lonely, lonely job although artistic. So you, you cannot expect the painter to give you in this uh, limited time of shooting what you want because probably it's going to fail. Yeah? So I, I, I don't want to fail because Susan is not going to come back <laughs> to repeat it. You know? <laughs> so so I, I, I took my, my pains to, uh, to get, uh, I mean, to be safe. Uh, that's our job. Huh? No, yeah.
It was the same question actually. I just okay. wanted to know a bit more about that interview and how long it took. Uh, it, it took uh, it took like one whole morning, but uh, it was pretty continuous because I knew also that uh, exhausting Susan was not a good idea. Mm. Uh, I, I thought uh, this should be f uh, very fluid, you know, so that we it's going to be fresh and it's going to be like first second take, you know. And so oh, yeah. I'm, I'm very happy. Did you just phone up her agent and say we were interested in? Yeah, 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 that's what we what it happened. <laughs> <laughs> I think she was very generous. Uh, yeah, I think very so. nice, very generous. Yeah. And um, but previously, I, w I had made a couple of movies uh, with two about art also, and so they got premiered by MoMA. Very honored by that. So I think that helped sure. to, for her to trust. And, yeah, yeah, I think you probably. And also, and also Tigran was uh, interested in making a painting of her, which he did. So everything came together. Okay. Any uh, hi. Uh, I have a question about the music again. Uh, did you give some reference or some tempo track to the composer to build this epic music that represented the hearts in the sense of hero, or he was completely free to compose in the style he wanted? Because actually. In my imagination, if I have to make the score of such a, a documentary like this, I would probably go to a more romantic sense of it, you know, more gentle, like art as partner. Instead, in here is like the heart is the main character and it's a savior somehow. And in fact, his art saved the life of Trigon somehow. Yeah, external life. That's yeah. interesting. External life. Yeah, yeah, I had some models. I'm not gonna tell you which ones. Okay. But but I had I had some some uh, <coughs> some some models. Also, I I studied music when I was young. I was studied uh, music for like ten years. I was very bad playing playing piano, but very bad, truly <laughs> really very bad, because I don't like to study. I like co composition. I like um, harmony. I like the technical stuff, the the brainy thing. So so I was very happy with. Um, um, with all aspects. For also, I think uh, something that passed unnoticed is the concept of musical form, that is very abstract. And I think it helps a lot to understand uh, cinema form, because both are things that happen not continuously. So when you look at sculpture, uh, the form is evident, it's obvious. Huh? So you can move around and get an idea. But how do you get a sense of the form in, in con continuous happening art that is happening second by second? So how do you? Do you get a sense of, of form, and that comes uh, close to uh, cinematic fl flow? Yeah. I think I think cinematic flow is what what helps to create uh, this uh, sensation of I mean to to go to the marrow of what is form. Yeah, sometimes you put something that is that is adding like an interruption, and then you are destroying the form. No, my my question was it it was. Uh, kind of references that you gave to the composer. Not only references. I sometimes I was telling him I need here, we need here something that is really we need to go here. Yeah, I was giving him hints of instrumentation. He's he is a master of of controlling his tools and now yeah. uh, is the orchestra now is digital, but it still yeah, is I an know. orchestra. <laughs> I want you a composer. Yeah. yeah okay. So. Um, so I, I, I w it was very easy for me to talk to him because I had studied music. So for me, it's easy to talk to composer and to talk what kind of, uh, the, the, I think I can talk your language. I, mm -hmm. I don't consider myself a composer.
I'm not a composer, but I can I can direct you in the sense that yeah, I know yeah, yeah. I know what's your stuff, what's your material. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions? Are you happy with it? Yes. Question. Did it come out? Yeah. When you finally finished it, obviously seeing through an artist's life and an artist's eyes, you must be seeing it through your own eyes as well. Yeah. Did you get everything you wanted and everything you wanted to I say think, I think for fine. yourself yeah. there too? Yeah, I feel very, very well with the final result. Yeah. What's next? There are a few things. I just love the freedom of it. I didn't. I, I unfortunately came in late, so forgive me for that. But it was a very free. It was. It was almost like a free-flowing poem in in, in a way. And and I liked the the kind of lack of a traditional structure to it. It, it just. Yeah. It just led, and it was. It was. It just was. Yeah. It was lovely. Really Thank lovely. You. Thanks. Thank you. Well, I think it's a lovely note to end on. Um, I think you summed up perfectly what I would have loved to say. So um, you said Sorry. it better. No, you said it much better than me. Um, Thank you much. Okay, people. Well, due to the fact that the Anchor website is kind of shitty, ain't gonna lie, kind of shitty, fucked up the order of my podcast, so couldn't put Echo Chamber out. Um, But it means that you get the coverage from Friday for the UK Film Festival, okay? So, this time, the events move to the Soho Hotel Cinema, which, ah, it is a very nice cinema. I do like screenings uh, when they're held there. Front row is the perfect distance from the screen. It's great. So, um, right, yeah, this, this lot of films were, um, in the competition. So this is the second block of competition shorts. And the night started with, um, the peculiar abilities of Mr. Mueller. Uh, and it was by Paul Philippe. The gist is this. East Germany, 1987. A six-year-old child disappeared without a trace. The special investigator Muller uses his mysterious abilities to solve the case. Okay, so this film, yeah, it was a subtitled film. So, couldn't really make out a lot of, well, actually anything. You know, so it, you know, it starts, um, with a full, it's very foreboding, you know, we get a, um, a look of, you know, bodies of water, and then you see police officers trawling the water, looking for something, so that's how the film starts, then, um, we see a car pull up in front of a house and the camera then comes to inside the car and you have two um, gentlemen talking. Uh, one's a, a larger gentleman, a kind of a Gerard de Pajur kind of um, size. And then we have a, a thinner gentleman. So they have a long conversation. 
Then the uh, thinner gentleman gets out of the car, um, goes into the house, and talks to the youngish couple who are inside. And um, so then you kind of think, oh, okay, they must be detectives. And they're having this long conversation. He gets out this paper, puts it in front of them. And it seems that then they're, they're like, ah, you know, arguing about this thing. They finally sign it. Then he gets up and leaves. Then we see him back at the house. And you have him, like, find the missing boy. It's all a bit confusing because you're like, is this a flashback or is this a future events? Not sure. And so, yeah, that was the um, the thing with this film. It was hard to, without the subtitles, you, you couldn't follow it that well. Um, but the film, it did look good. Um Definitely had a somber kind of feel to it, which seemed to to fit. You know, it seemed to fit well. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that's probably all you can really say about it when you um, <laughs> you know what I mean. You you can't see it. Luckily, um, the next film was. An English language one And this was 73 Cows By Alex Lockwood And um, It's about a beef farmer Struggles with his conscience Every time he takes his cows To slaughter And so sets about Doing something extraordinary Um, So yeah So We have this farmer and um you know he's his parents had this farm and so he's running the farm and he would take the cows to slaughter and then he's like one day he had this realization that cows have feelings and you're just a bit like Oh dear! <laughs> you know, it was just like, oh, I suddenly realised that cows probably have feelings and personalities and all of this kind of stuff, and it's just a bit like, oh, it it took you long to work that out. Oh dear! <laughs> but um, then it moves to this lady, and um, she's like. She was looking, she she had to do a placement, I think for some something she was studying or something, I'm not quite sure. It wasn't that clear. And so she went to work on the farm. And she was there for a while. And um, I think she, because she was studying something about like, um, I don't know, like, healthy alternatives like um agriculture and better alternatives or something something and so she's on the farm and um she's seeing that you know the guy is having these 
faults and you know he's not liking what he's doing so she's like how about we we make some changes how about we change the way in which you're doing things and he's like yeah 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 and then he asks her to stay and help him do this it wasn't very clear if if they were in a relationship or if it was strictly business that none of that was really that clear but um yeah it was so it was just about them you know and then they're talking about you know but we're still taking the cows to slaughter and it's so difficult and you know I wanted a change but I just didn't know what to do and um you know I'd ask people and they didn't know and so you know I just continued doing everything and it's just a bit like you you could look up something you know what I mean you could look up alternatives like this isn't even difficult this is the crazy thing it's like just you know doing studies on stuff at at school it was looking at different alternatives, different farming and how to do farm and stuff like that. And that was back then. <laughs> Sherry, so now with the frigging internet and everything, you you can Google, okay, what would be an alternative to beef farming? Like, how could I, you know, transition from beef farming into but he just didn't seem to do it. The guy seemed a bit wet. It's like he had good intentions, but unless someone told him what to do, he wouldn't really do it. Which is the kind of feeling you get. But eventually, he he someone tells him about like vegan farming. And so he's um like, okay, yeah, that's what I'll do. So they brought someone in to look at the farm and everything like that. And so they make the change. And so we see this. And and they're talking about this. But then it's just like, oh, what do we do with the cows? I don't want to kill the cows. And um, then he talks about how this one sanctuary place was like, hey, we'll take them all. And so, yeah, they took all 73 cows like the funny thing was so you see them drop the cows off and the cows were in the field but i think every time i've seen cows and you know you've seen like them on programs and documentaries and stuff like that they just kind of plod but these cows were all running around like the dogs do you know they were literally playing and it looked like they were dogs you know, which was kind of funny, but yeah, so this, so this is a documentary basically about a beef farmer who wants to make a change, and he becomes a vegan farmer, so growing crops, um, yeah, rather than, you know, using, uh, farming cattle, essentially, so, like, the extraordinary thing, mm, I don't know if I would say it's extraordinary, you know, but yeah, I look, he had a conscience about what he was doing, 
And eventually he did make a change. That's a nice thing. You know, so it's not a bad documentary. Like, I would say that there wasn't really hard questions asked. You know, like, no one was. Why didn't you look something up yourself? You just asked people. Why didn't you do... Like, no one pushed him on anything. It was just, like, him sitting there like a sad sack talking. Which, like, it's fine, it's fine. But, yeah, 73 cows. Which I'm I'm sure anyone who is, you know, living that vegan life would probably appreciate this. Yeah, I'd say you'd probably appreciate it. So, the next... Picture was um, what is it? Pat, Pat, um, Patision Avenue. Uh, yeah, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's by um, Fancio Fancisi Nefotisios, and it says a single mother's most important roles. In life collide over the phone Um Yeah This was a A foreign film So it's all subtitled So yeah It is kind of difficult So essentially We're following a woman Walk So we are The camera is at her back And she is just Walking through the streets on the phone. Like she starts off kind of doing stretching of her arms as she's walking. And um yeah, then she is um on the phone. On the phone and then on the phone literally for the rest of the film. Um and like her tone changes, so I'm I'm assuming she was having some a lot of arguments while yeah being on the phone, and they get to a point where she gets to a park, and she's just had another argument, then suddenly there's this big bam, like big explosion, and everyone just. Gatters. And so she's running, still on the phone. Still on the phone. Which is like the whole thing's kind of crazy because you'd think, alright, maybe she would stop being on the phone, kind of thinking, alright, I better save my battery so then I can figure out what's going on. Call maybe like the people I need to, then off the phone. Just save that battery in case I'm in shit. But no. Still on the phone. And so we have her running. And um, it's odd because she then runs. Like it gets all smoky. And so you can see that like you have all these kind of, I don't know. It looked like peep protesters or, or something in front of her. And she was running into the trouble. Which... Didn't really make any sense. So we have her running towards the crazy. And then another bomb goes off. And then it's kind of like. 
every the sound goes weird. It the sound goes like you've heard a big explosion close up, and your hearing is all ringing. So the sound goes like that. Some someone runs is running the other direction. They grab her, and she runs with them for a bit. Uh, and then it stops. Yeah. So then, um, yeah, just everything kind of stops. And so yeah, it it was odd. It was like you. It's a, It's one of those things that you can't follow unless you can read the story. Uh, but the, I think the it was also frustrating because the camera is that's following her. It wasn't just a um a steady cam. It's bobbing up and down. Which yeah, there's not a need for it. There was just not a need for the camera to be bobbing up and down. It was very odd and just very Yeah, it was just a bit irritating, you know? But hey, it's just one of those things, I guess. Um so yeah, the next film was the Christmas the Christmas gift. Uh this is from Bogdan Moresnu. Um yeah, another foreign film. And it says a son's letter to Santa Claus throws his father into uh, inescapable turmoil. Um. Yeah. Like. I don't know. This is very difficult. Because. It's another film that. You need the subtitles. Like you cannot follow this story. Really. Without the subtitles. Like, so it starts off, it's at night, the dad is walking home with a Christmas tree. And he bumps into his little kid. He's little, the kid is tiny. So you're thinking the kid is probably, uh, I don't know, between six and eight, I would say. So it was a bit like, why the fuck is the kid out at this late? But, you know, it is what it is. They bump into an old guy who gives the kid an apple and then they get home. Um, and so then you have the dad like talking to his wife. Then him and his son are having dinner. And um, yeah, so they're having dinner. Uh, and he's talking to the kid. And then the kid says something to him. But it must be something that's a bit like. I don't know, because then it, like, the volume kind of goes up, so you can feel that the dad is getting heated. Then the wife is all like, ah, and they're trying to work things out, and the kid, and it's all going a bit crazy. Then the dad's going crazy and wants to hit the kid. The wife is stopping him. Um, Yeah, and so it's like that, back and forth like that for a bit. Then you have the dad leave the house, um, and it's like he's poured, I think he pours like water or something into a post box, it seems, 
and then leaves and goes. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm assuming the kid wrote some sort of off letter and they're trying to destroy it. But yeah, um, as, as I said, unless you kind of re- can read what's going on, yeah, you can't just follow it from the film itself. What was odd, though, was the film then ed- ended, it looked like with some archive footage of, like, loads of people in the street. At first, I thought it was maybe some sort of protest or something like that. But then they put up a big Christmas tree. So, yeah, I'm not quite sure what was going on. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Some sort of large Christmas celebration, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? I, I think the um, the director was from Romania. So, um... Yeah, I, I, yeah, it, it's maybe like a tradition in that country, maybe. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna change the order of the last two films because, um, yeah, they did a Q and A with the director of the second to last film, so I will go with the last. Um, and then the other one, so then we can listen to the Q&A afterwards, okay? So, next up was The Distance Between Us and the Sky, and this was by Yasilis Ketatos, uh, and it says, Two strangers meet for the first time at an old gas station. One, one locks the... 2250 euro he needs to get home can the one sell the other the distance that separates them from the sky i don't yeah that is a little confusing but um yeah i don't know i don't know but um yeah, again, subtitles, so it's hard to tell what's going on. Film opens with a guy having a voice call um, with another guy. Uh, the screen pans down, and it's like, oh, okay, so the guy is talking to is naked, who, and then he starts to play with himself, which is like, okay, <laughs> whatever. Um, then another guy turns up, so he ends the call, and, yeah, so they're having a, then he's having a conversation with this other guy, at first it seems that maybe they're having some sort of disagreement, but then it's, but then the kind of tone changes, and you're thinking, well, okay, maybe they're flirting with each other now. Um, the, the one guy, and then it looks like the the guy that turned up is gonna leave. The other one pulls out a, a, a joint, and they then share that. Then they talk a bit more, 
And it ends up with them riding the guy that turns up his motorbike. But instead of, you know, you'd think the passenger would ride on the back. No. It was like the the guy that was having, to, you know, the passenger was sitting in front of the guy driving, but facing him, so he was, like, wrapped around him, and, um, yeah, they were riding like that, so you're thinking, not super safe, but it's, but you kind of get the impression that maybe the guy's scared, and, that was the only way he was getting on the bike to feel safe. I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, who again, it's hard to tell when it's you know, it's a subtitled film. Uh so the neck the 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 up uh, the next film, which was the second to last film, was called Open Wide. And this is from Ben Benham Tari, um, and it says, Mr. Karabaka doesn't expect his visit to the dentist to take such a startling and perhaps satisfying turn. So you have a guy, he's, um, yeah, so he's come to the dentist, he's sitting on the chair. And he's got, he's got like this thing in his mouth that, yeah, obviously the the dentist has put in to keep the mouth open. Um, so, yeah, I've never had this. Every time I've gone to the dentist, they just tell you to open your mouth. Now, I'd imagine if you are having some big operation... They probably put something like that in your mouth. But, yeah, it seems an odd one for just a, just a clean. Um, but, so he's had this done. The dentist is, yeah, playing with his mouth. Then he's like, oh, have you been on holiday? And the de- you have the dentist, like, talk about his trip to Sicily. And so the dentist finishes off in his mouth. And. Yeah, so he starts moving down his body. Undoes his belt. um, Puts his hand down his trousers. And starts. um, Yeah, wanking him off. You know, giving him a hand job. Which is like, okay. But, look, the thing about it that was a bit odd is the guy isn't strapped down. So you have the guy, like, looking shocked and, like, not knowing what to do. Going, oh, I don't know what to do. And so you have the dentist assistant. She walks into the room. And he's, like, looking at her for, like, oh, help, help. Um, but he's not strapped down. So it's a bit like, 
you can get up whenever you want, your arms are free, if you're not liking it, you, you push the dude away, so then he finishes, dentist finishes, and you, you, the camera moves, and you know, you just got all sperm in his belly button, which is just like, ugh, ugh. And so you know the 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 tube that they usually use in a dentist to put in your mouth and take out fluid, they use that to clean him up. She's like, okay. And so you have the guy get up, and then the dentist is like, oh yeah, the hygienist is waiting for you. And that's it. And then he's like, oh, thank you. And it's funny. You know what I mean? It's amusing. But, like, I think it would probably work more if the guy is strapped. You know what I mean? Because if you're not strapped and you can freely move, then why are you looking at people for help because this is the other thing the dentist is an old dude you know what I mean? so it's a bit like and this is a younger dude on the chair so you'd think the guy on the chair is probably late 30s early 40s so and then the guy the dentist is probably 70 so yeah the the guy on the chair kind of has to be strapped down so, and that would make sense if, with the thing in the mouth, like, you'd think maybe he's having a root canal or something like that. So, yeah, it would kind of make sense for them to sh- him to, for them to strap him down so he's not moving and they can, you know what I mean, do what they need to do. Then he wakes up and then the guy's playing with him. That makes more sense because, yeah, he can move. So, if you can move... He could take the thing out of his mouth, but he's already spoken. So, you know, he's free to go, yo, what are you doing? Or, I didn't know this was a service from, um, you know, from the dentist or something. So you either say something or you, or he would, you know, push the guy's arm away or, or something. But it doesn't kind of work with him just... Oh, looking, going, I need help, I need help. Because you're a younger dude. You could easily overpower the dentist. So, yeah, I think that's what I would say about that show. But, um, yeah, everyone laughed, everyone loved it, so it's fine. But, um, yeah, so they, they had a, um, a Q&A with um, Benham at the end of the night. So uh, you can hear that now. Um and hopefully the he will fill in the gaps that maybe I missed. So, um, where did you and Venom get the idea for these characters? Because it's very surprising. <laughs> I think it's one of the most original situations I've ever seen. I was crawling <laughs> at the back. <laughs> um, well, the characters, well, the idea itself came from, we're talking about, have you ever been to like a Turkish barber? No, the, the initial idea is you go to a Turkish barber's and they'll cut your hair and they'll give you a back rub and they'll burn your ears. Oh, yeah. And and so, but you sit there and you're not really sure what's going to happen next. <laughs> and we're talking about how that feeling of just like 
Okay, yeah, you do what you like to me. I'm in your chair. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to think, like, what? what's the ultimate end to that? <laughs> wow, a dentist. Yeah, yeah. So. so you think we should be on the NHS, this kind of thing? Uh, if they've got the time. Yeah, <laughs> they're overstretched at the minute, so I think... <laughs> well, you never know. It's an election soon. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, the manifestos, um, Yeah, <laughs> read the manifestos carefully. Um, have you got questions? Um, about well any of the films and I'll answer those but yeah, um, especially for, for Gideon about um, open wide um, that was quite a mouth position wasn't it I, I mean can I can, does anyone actually go to the dentist and get that thing in the mouth I must go to a cheap dentist I've never had it so any questions from the audience for Gideon Come on, good for me. Thank you. Uh, how many takes did it? <laughs> <laughs> well, we had one shot. <laughs> the initial intention, you know, given the title, it was going to go in his mouth. Oh. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, that was the initial plan. But we, we, we missed, so we just thought, oh, it was. <laughs> it certainly um, demystified something, hasn't it? It's like there's there's no rules anymore. So you mm. came in here thinking there were rules. There clearly aren't any rules. Um, well, is that just that one? There we go. Um. Sorry, where's the question? Hi. They were, it was a winging situation. So <laughs> the uh, the guy in the chair is the co-director, Bennett, so he was pretty keen <laughs> to sit down all day. And the the nurse is his sister. <laughs> yeah. When we showed it to his dad, he would yeah he wasn't pleased. <laughs> and then the actor was like just a friend of ours who's he's like a character actor he was in Victoria and Abdul and he was like the dentist, the dentist yeah yeah, yeah I've Sands. seen him before yeah and so he's like a good actor like Shakespearean you know <laughs> excellent playwright and he was like I want to work with you boys can we do something together? and we were like yeah we've <laughs> 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 got an idea you'll love it and he actually he read it and he was like he just got it straight away like you know I love the phone call, the combat hum, the na where are you going on holiday, all that. It's like, it was um, a quiet moment of genius, really, but it really challenged me, because you know I'm a prude, right? <laughs> I am. So, um, any more questions? What's going to happen with the hygienist? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, question. Uh, yeah, good question. <laughs> I mean... Sorry, I'll just ask you if you've got a question. I've never been to a hygienist, so I, you know. Who knows? They'll fit him with braces. Is that an orthodontist? <laughs> I don't know. I never go. I don't, think he's, I don't think he's got another second round in him after that. <laughs> <laughs> I think he probably had his teeth te cleaned. <laughs> don't know. What do you think? You got a question? Sorry, did you seem to have a question? A question about me? Yes. Oh, uh, no, uh, but I, no, I just had a, a general observation because. It's funny because it's a sexual act, but it didn't feel sexualized at all. The, for me, like it was like, oh, like massaging his feet or something like that. Like it didn't feel, it, it's funny. It didn't feel like it was very sexual in the, yeah. 
and do a whole thing. So therefore, and it was totally non-offensive. Yeah, yeah. No, but it wasn't really. So it this is the. We're trying to get to the meat of this. Yeah. It was non-offensive. I'm sure it shocked a lot of people. <laughs> somehow it was non-offensive. It was two men. Did that make it easier? I don't know. That's a question I want you to yeah. think about. What if it had been spun the other way? Um, then it would be totally unacceptable, like the film that was just before it. Just a thought, just an observation. Any more questions to save us from ourselves? Yes? I wanted to ask you about... Um, how do you, I'm assuming you have a number of films that are submitted. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the process of how you... Well, we have a huge international committee who actually watch 10 at a time and it goes around everybody in the world and um, somehow between us all and then curated by Petros Silvestros, the program arrives. Yeah. And um, it's... Um, we always try and go for international, we try and go for lots of variety. Um, you'll notice some themes. Themes emerge themselves somehow. It's almost like there's something in the air in the world that brings out a whole lot of theme. I don't know why that happens. And of course, Petros curates it that way. You can see things sitting next to each other that seem to be a juxtaposition to the thing you've just seen or a, a, a maybe a clarification of the thing you've just seen. And that's throughout the whole festival which has got its uh, sixth day tomorrow, um, which is Saturday. Um, so um, we're pretty much sold out, but if you want to see a Russian feature film um, and the announcement of the winners, please see if you can get online and see if there's anything left because we just sold out. I'm, and I'm, I am so happy to see every single seat full. And you may say, no, I had a seat next to me. I was slightly lonely. Believe me, we're all on the stairs, but we couldn't get to you, Carlos, because we would have just upset everyone along the way trying to get next to you, because we all want to. All right, any more questions? Thank you, Gideon. Cheers. What we always do is... What we always like to do is um, reward any of the filmmakers that come to the screenings. Um, we have a vineyard in Tuscany, so we, um, <laughs> we give them the UK Film Festival bubbly! <laughs> okay, so, a little bit of film news before we bounce. Um, it's been reported that um, Noah Hawley has been approached to um, write and direct the next Star Trek film. So, um, Hawley is probably best known for his work on Fargo and Legion. Uh, but yeah, this, this next film will be the fourth iteration in the Star Wars fra Star Trek franchise. Um, but I think it was earlier in the year The full film was scrapped Because um, they couldn't negotiate contracts um, With some of the actors And then we had talk of the Tarantino uh, Standalone Star Trek film But it looks like uh, Yeah, Paramount want to You know Keep that franchise popping So yeah Noah Hawley Could be the next Cat in charge 
Uh, if so, it would be um, he'll you know he'd be producing it through his 26 Keys production company alongside uh, JJ Abraham's Bad Robot. So um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, as long as it's better than uh, Star Trek Beyond. Because that wasn't very good uh, it, and It's kind of interesting as well Because Hawley did have a film out At the, you know, earlier this year Lucy, um, Lucy in the Sky Which, uh, yeah, it didn't do very well So, um, yeah, I don't know I wonder, um, you know Because some people just films aren't their thing And TV is their perfect sandpit So it'll be interesting to see how this um, You know How this kind of goes um, Another Crazy little situation right now So Apple had um, bought uh, A film called The Banker um, they, they purchased it Um Earlier in the year But um, It was So it was meant to um, Be closing The AFI Film Festival In Los Angeles But they've um, They pulled it uh, Yeah They pulled it from the event And uh, Mag- Marriage Story Is going to uh, close the festival Instead the film was also meant to have a limited theoretical run starting on the 6th of December, but that looks like it might be pulled as well. Uh, so the film was is directed by George Nolfi, um, and it's starring Anthony Mackie as Bernard Garrett Sr., Samuel Jackson as Joe Morris, Who were two African American men Who hired a white man Played by Nicholas Holt To be the public face Of their growing business empire In 1963 Now What has um, So what has transpired Is that The son of um, Bernard Garrett Senior Who is a Bernard Garrett Jr. He um he has been accused of sexually abusing his two stepsisters, Cynthia and Sheila Garrett. So um yeah, it, it's all getting a little bit messy. So because um Garrett Jr. was originally Kind of Meant to be a producer On the film And he was going to be helping To promote the film Like he's no longer Listed as a producer on the film Like he's being Removed from all kind of Happenings about The film But it looks like Apple are trying to Just sort out This whole mess Because um 
it, it seems that Cynthia and Sheila would like the film just to be scrapped. But supposedly, Garrett Jr., when helping with the film, he um, he lied about the time frame. So it has Garrett Sr. with his first wife, but with the events of the film, they'd already divorced and he'd be he'd be with his new wife and that would mean that Cynthia and Sheila should have been in the film as little girls. So yeah, it's all so it sounds like it's all a bit of a mess. All a bit of a mess. Like it, it like these situations are always kind of crazy because you wonder didn't the girls know when the whole thing was, you know, started, when all the work started on the film and everything, you know, yeah, it's just crazy, man, um, but hopefully, yeah, you know, it will get sorted out, and if Garrett Jr. did do this stuff, that, yeah, he, uh, he pays for the, the grimy shit that he did, you know what I mean? Um, but yes, all right. Let's end with um, with this. So um, at the London Film Festival, uh, there was a film called Little Monsters, which starred Lupita Nyong'o. It was a zombie comedy type of film, and it was from um, Australian filmmaker Abe Forsyth. Well, Abe has. It looks like he's been um, hired by MGM and Atlas Entertainment to uh, produce the new RoboCop film. So it would be RoboCop Returns. And um, like the big trend right now, this film will be a direct sequel to the original 1987 Paul Verhoeven film and um yeah so it's going to ignore Robocop 2, 3 and the 2014 reboot 2014 man I thought it was I thought it came out like just a couple of years ago time is crazy right now so um word is that Ed Numia and Michael Miner, the screenwriters of the original, um, yeah, they are, um, they penned a script a while back with Justin Rhodes, um, and they are, um, reworking that, um, that script for this, uh, for this n- new film along with Full Scythe. Um, so yeah. That is it, people, for another week. Alright, so we will catch you um next Thursday. Yeah, enjoy films, people. Enjoy the films. <laughs>